I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with the Telegraph. The 2022 Six Nations is in the history books. Congratulations to France who listed their first title. First title, not just Grand Slam in 12 years. They were the pre-tournament favourites and they lived up to their billing throughout the competition. Their wing over England Saturday night topped off an impressive campaign for them as they continue their preparations for a home World Cup next year. Uh, as we uh, are recording this, um, no one knows at the moment where the Six Nations trophy is. Someone, someone reckons it's been thrown in the Seine. <laughs> now, I, uh, if, if anyone knows anything about this, please get in touch with me on Twitter and we'll find out what the truth is. Anyway, look, as for England, serious questions. What direction are the team going in? If they've suffered three defeats in the competition, the RFU have backed England coach Eddie Jones despite another poor finish, but his side only... This is the point. Only managed three tries in four games outside of the 80 clash. We're recapping England's campaign with the Telegraph's Charlie Morgan, who was in Paris on Saturday, and asking what needs to be done to get England firing once again. Well, uh, picking the right team would help, actually. That's one thing. Picking players in the right position. That's another thing. Um, the moment of the weekend was arguably the moment of the entire tournament, and it came in the dying moments in the Principality Stadium as Italy sliced open Wales to win their first Six Nations game for seven years, and we'll recap that thrilling win for the Italians and discuss the poor title defence for Wales with none other than Michele Lamaro, the Italian captain. We'll also be rounding up an impressive campaign for Ireland and another underwhelming one for Scotland who faced problems on and off the pitch following another fourth place finish. Elsewhere, we'll pick our players of the tournament and we'll get stuck into your questions too. Delighted to welcome back alongside me the former England centre Tom May. Hello, Tom. Nice to be back. Thank you for having me. Uh, now then, um, you were out there, weren't you? I was in Perpignan doing the under twenties. Oh, yeah. What was it? What was it? What was the like? This is always interesting. What is it? What is it like? The 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 surrounding uh, atmosphere when something like this happens in in your country the first twelve years. What was it like? It was it, it was great actually to watch to watch um, to watch all the French supporters come out in the local bars and and, yeah. and you know watch it on tiny TV screens in the corner. Yeah. Uh, it, it was brilliant um, and. You know, we were joined by some of the uh, Catalan dragoned um, 
supporters uh, as well as Hull, Hull. I think it was Hull KR that yeah. that they played the day before. Um, but it was but it was great to see, yeah. uh, and I guess a bit of a bit of a um, foresight as to what next year will be like with the World Cup. I think yeah. it's going to be absolute mayhem in France. Yeah. Um, look, France have been fairly steadily uh, improving, and, and and that was from a good base as well uh, over this tournament. Uh, Ireland were the only team that got anywhere near them. Um, they rocked a little bit. Uh, but uh, for you, standout champions? I think they've been brilliant. Uh, you know, I think every team during the Six Nations will find that other teams get on top of them. It's just the same in every 80 minutes, isn't it? Um, but I think they've looked by far and away the best team in the tournament. Um, and, and of course, you've got to remember, if you're the favourites and you're the best team, people do raise their game. Yeah, and I think, look, Paris, I think as we've witnessed over the past six, seven, eight weeks, whatever it's been, is back to where it it is in terms of a, it, the atmosphere there is jumping every time they every time they go in there. There's a, there's a level of expectation now back around French rugby, which I don't think there's been for probably a while. Um, well, let's repeat this. It's 12 years since they even won a title. It's crazy, isn't it? When you think of the depth of talent that they have. Yes. Um and I mean, people go on about England saying biggest played numbers, economic power and so on. But the same is, is, is virtually true of France as well. Yeah. And uh, look, you can have as many numbers as you like, but if your pathway is not functioning, it's not producing good young talent, yeah. then um, that's where the problem lies. And France are doing that time and time again. Let's just discuss this point and get it out of the way, because it's always raised, usually by, by smaller countries. And I understand why. It isn't a question just, obviously, if you have... A, greater playing numbers. There are chances that you will unearth better players. Understand that. It, it makes it easier to have you know teams that, that don't get hammered. But I reckon if, if, if they have the playing numbers in England, but for example, say, got every single uh, one of the best athletes to come out of the North, then they'd have a stronger team than they have at the moment because they'd be getting the best talent. And so much talent goes to other sports in this country. You know, whereas, for example, in New Zealand, far fewer players to pick from, but they get the very best athletes of everything they've got and the pathway as well, which is the second bit, which is just as important. Well, I, look, I think some of the best pathway coaches have been involved with England. I think John Fletcher was one of those. Um, and a, lot, a large portion of the players that we now see in the England team have, have been coached by John. Um, now that's that's not taking anything away from Alan Dickens and and the guys that are involved in that pathway now, but are they as strong as as we see um, from the Italians, from the French? You know, let's not forget that the, Italy last night finished third in the Six Nations Under Twenties tournament, and there's a lot of work that's gone into developing young talent, which we now see coming through into yeah. the Italian team, and there's more to come, by the way. Yeah, um, and. I, I, do we need to fix that? Listen, I think we, our young players need to be playing. I don't think they play enough. Um, and that's where they learn, the, um, earn their stripes, yep. learn to make mistakes. In this country, it seems, unless you're playing for the first team premiership, there's not a huge amount of rugby for you to be playing. Before we get on to England's campaign as a whole, what do you make of them on Saturday? Had good patches. Yep. I think that's about it, isn't it? That's, uh, yeah, that's about it. I think they look blunt. They didn't really ever threaten the French enough to, to, to think. I wasn't sat in the bar in Perpignan thinking, no. oh, there could be an upset here. Well, do you remember? The, the, I remember thinking at half time, 
I'm, I don't know how England aren't many more points down. And actually, in the second half, there was just a flicker of a moment when, had everything gone right, they might have took, taken the lead and they might, you know, and who knows what happens. But the reality is, in the first half, France had three line break chances, two of them which were wide open scoring chances and would have resulted in tries had the ball gone to hand. And the other one was going to be a, a really clear open break which could have led to a try. And I just thought these, these, these passes will stick at some point. I think, listen, 25 13 is a, it's a, it's a big win for France. Um, I think there's probably a lot of fans that are thinking, well, actually, I thought England were going to get it battered by more. Yeah. Um, and I think there is, there is an argument to say they, they could have been. Well, it know, could have been 40. Yeah. You've you put two of those other chances away and that's it. And, but I, but I, don't see, I don't see where England could have. It's not like they, they blew three chances. No, well, they didn't blow any chances. Cause they, <laughs> they didn't, they, and this is the point. You know, three tries from four games out to, outside the Italy fixture, that, that's not good enough. It simply isn't good enough. And, and there are many reasons that you can postulate why. Um, first up for me was, if you can constantly change units, I mean, at some point you've got to say, are we being reactive to what's coming towards us? Which you do have to be to a certain extent if the team you're playing against has conspicuous strengths. But if they don't, and they, you know, they're a very good all-round team, you, surely you're better off saying, look, it's not just this game as well for us. We've, we've got other things to look at. Uh, we can't win the title. Um, let's try and get some more settled units. And I, you know, uh, yet again, Stewart playing out of position. He comes in off the wing, doesn't hit the man or the ball. Not his fault necessarily because he's not a winger. Furbank comes in. I haven't seen. He's not personal. I don't know George Furbank, but I haven't seen a performance from George Furbank where unequivocally you would say, had you not known the number, of the shirt, or yet that man must be playing fullback for England. No, I, I th- do you know what I find really weird is that actually when you look at the team, some of the players, especially within backs and forwards, actually had pretty good games, but it's the collective that doesn't function. So, but that comes back to the coach. Well, the, but the, the collective, the, yeah, but the, I've never doubted, and we've seen it during this campaign from England, lots of character, lots of strength, lots of physical endeavour, lots of commitment, lots of you know, individually good things. So I'm not doubting the players, their bona fides in terms of, uh, of are they trying or whatever, but the, the, it, we come back to the fact you cannot keep changing. Even the, the half part comments, why did he pick Ben Young to start? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I don't you know. know. And Ben didn't have a good game. No, and and and, and he looked he looked like he'd been caught out when Dupont scored. Um, I think with regards to our attacking plays, if you watch the Irish and the French, they're they're decoy runners. Their option runners are flat to the line. They are a genuine option. English runners are wider. They're slightly deeper. The guy out the back who's getting the ball is miles away, and he's wide. Defensively, that's far easier to read. Well, if you're going to try and get the edge. With, with with a deep ball, you uh, and forgive me, people think, what do you know as a hooker? Well, I played loads of rugby in the backs, but you have to have to have the line absolutely precision right to the centimetre, or he's got to be flat out, because otherwise you won't get to the edge. All you'll do is create a tackle zone that's deeper than it would have been. Yeah, and probably more isolated. Yes. Uh, and that's where we get turned over. But if, I, think, I think the French and the Irish do it really well, and they do everything tight to the line. Defensively, that... The guy that is marking the ball carrier and the one outside, yeah. they have a decision to make. 
Now, those players on the ball, if from an Irish and French perspective, nine times out of ten are making the best decision as well. Yeah. Now, that's when an attack starts to function. And, you know, it comes back to the point of how many tries we've scored in, in this Six Nations. That's where it is. We've brought in an, an attack coach who I'm, I am sure over time will be brilliant because as a, as a player, he was brilliant. As a coach, he's been pretty good it's up at Wasps. But, you know... It takes time. It takes time. But also, when he's at Wasps, he only has Wasp players to cope with and do. And so he sees them all the time. He doesn't get changed and he can pick what they do. You don't get that with England at the moment. You don't get consistency of selection or availability because of various things, some to do with Jones, some not to do with Jones. But insofar as the ones that are to do with Jones, he's not getting that either. So, you know, I, I always said this about Andy Robinson. When Andy Robinson had to go to Scotland, no, not had to, went to Scotland and could only pick from their limited, relatively limited number of players, he turned out to be as good a coach as we knew he was for the England forwards when they won the World Cup. When he was England, um, when he was a head England coach, the, the point at which I just lost all all sensibility with him was when he, he picked three different players in the back row, all out of position, um, from where they play for the normal positions. And I just thought, I don't know what, what's going on now. And it seemed to me again, it, well, the problem wasn't that. The problem was in selection and thinking, I'll just tinker with this, tinker with that. That will solve this. That will solve that. Instead of doing what you know, what he is, what he was demonstrably very good at, coaching a group of players to get the best out of them. And and I, there seems to be a misnomer to me about this. Saying we want players to play as if they've not got a number on the back, to me, is this is it means if you have a prop in an outside centre position with a flowing move, he is able to draw a man in space, straight, keep the line straight and put the man away to score. Or if an outside centre is the nearest man to do a clear out and he's in the back row player he has to clear out, he's effective. That's the not number bit. Not you just start players any old where they, you know, they start on the field and expect them to be able to play. This is what the French did for years saying fly halves and scrum halves are interchangeable. They're not. They're demonstrably not. And yeah. now you've got world-class ones in each and you've carried on picking them in each. Funny, isn't it? They're actually playing a lot better. And so to me, this numbers on the back thing is, 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 should be a reference to things done on the field, not, not, not starting positions. It's an all-court game, isn't it, that people are talking about. It's, a, it's an ability to um, have a collective core group of skills that each player can replicate. And it's not, the finer details, which is what makes the difference at international level, are the bits that make a huge difference. Yes. So, you know, by putting Freddie Stewart on the wing, where he hasn't played a huge amount of rugby, you're going to find there are minor errors that, that cause huge consequences yeah. off the back of. Uh, a lot was made about Owen Farrell's absence during the uh, tournament, how it might be a blessing in disguise. I, I, don't, I'm, I, I don't know what the answer is as to... As to as to how much he, he was missed, I don't think particularly would have made, you know, his presence would have made that much difference. Um, particularly if, say, like we had on Saturday, the back three changes yet again. You know, with him there, the temptation, I think, would have been to change even more, which would have been solution to nothing. Well, if Marcus Smith, if we say that Marcus Smith starts at 10, then actually, in terms of a centre pairing, I think Marchand and Slade individually have, have been good. Um, but I think with him not there, we, we lacked a bit of leadership. I think at times during the Six Nations, you had players looking around saying, Ooh, you know, who's, who's going to take us forward here? 
Um, and maybe that's, that's where England may have missed him the most. Um, the flip side of that, I guess, is that other players have to stand up. And I think players like Ellis Genge have really put their hand up yes. um, in, terms of, in terms of being one of those leaders. Sam Warburton raised this on the BBC saying that he reckoned um, Jones had been using the Six Days as a development tool for the World Cup and that if, he, if so, that was disrespectful. I, I, I think probably, I actually think the reverse is true. I think Jones has always been a man who has said, I want to pick the best 15 to win this game. You know, as witnessed with the Furbank thing and him coming out and saying Furbank had the best long kicking game and that was a definitely a, a counter to France's long kicking strategy when he would have been better off saying... Look, um, it, well, for start off, if he wanted to do that, he should have played Elliot Daly. But um, but the other thing is, no, just we, you know, they'll do theirs and we'll do ours because we're developing. And actually, if he is using it as a development tool for the World Cup and it comes right, then that's fine to me. Yeah, I look. I, I'm not sure you would ever looked at one of those Six Nations sides and gone, "Oh, he's just completely, you know, he's rested all of our big guns and, and yeah. you know, we're just having a having a run around, seeing what we can find out about various different players." I don't think we ever saw that. Um, but you have to go through a period of developing and taking steps forward and learning yeah. in competitions because there's not enough games. Well, why don't we speak to Charlie Morgan, the Telegraph senior rugby writer who has been uh, a constant throughout the uh, Six Nations and our podcast and analysing. Uh, you were at Stade de France on Saturday. Um, I imagine, uh, well, I was, I've got the question here. What stood out about England's performance? It was an, it was an awesome occasion for, the, for a start. But as far as Eng- England's performance, I thought a little bit bitty and a little bit gimmicky, to be honest. I think as far as them, are you just speaking there about horses for courses selections? I think that maybe blinkered them a little bit, certainly early on, where you had Alice Gange hanging in the backfield and they were obviously so focused on targeting Melvin Jaminet and kicking towards uh, Freddie Stewart on the right wing. And, and those ploys worked in part. The one that didn't work was them going after France's line-outs. Those, those ploys worked in part, but I thought actually that they tapered over some of the cracks that we're going to talk about later, I imagine, which is, which is to say their lack of cohesion and their lack of kind of an overall clarity, which is what has completely exuded the way France has played throughout this tournament. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've compiled a, 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 a charge sheet against England for their poor Six Nations campaign in today's Telegraph. Uh, let's look at a, a few of those things. I mean, we've just been discussing the seemingly directionless attack. Uh, and I... I, For me, the, 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 this, starts, this starts in the ball-carrying aspect. If you don't get the ball-carrying right and pose defences and very good defences, and one's coached by Sean Edwards, by the way, you know, which has been a highlight, and people should not forget this, a highlight of, of, of what France have done and the way they've hung on in games and eventually won them. It's been a huge thing. If you can't pose questions other than the normal ones of me running into you, at least again running flat out into big people, then you're not going to get the sort of ball that gives the backs even the opportunity in the space to try and exploit them. If you then carry on by having unfamiliar units to exploit ball, which is not ideal, then you're going to get what they actually got, four tries in three games. And that's just not good enough. But it comes back again to me, to the the first up, the lack of sophistication uh, and the insufficient posing of problems by the ball carriers, 
when they take the ball into contact. Yeah, totally. And I think you can flip that around by saying, if you look at England's sole try they did score at Stade de France, where did that come from? That came from a line-out strike move. That came from Henry Slade playing a pass across Sunnundale to Joe Marchant, who broke the game line. And it was, a really, it was probably to do with quite a rare defensive misread from Gail Fiku. But that's what, if England have multiple threats there, have multiple direct threats, that's what's going to give them the momentum, which is going to make everything easier. And over the course of the tournament, that hasn't been the case. And you can go back to Murrayfield where they started Slade and Daly together. That never looked like, that looked underpowered throughout. And, and Scotland fed off that. And I think actually Joe Marchant has, has emerged, we're going to talk I think later about the, the players that have emerged with credit. I think after his performances against Ireland and France, Joe Marchant has done that. But that was maybe circumstantial because he had COVID in the lead up to the Scotland game. I wonder whether that's been a bit of a, that's been um, a slight hindrance for England. But if you look at somebody like Nick Tompkins for, for Wales, he caused problems in the England game, which is what we, we spoke about at the time, just because of that directness. And it just stops the attack from getting too lateral. And England looked, um, they lost fluency because they grew lateral because of that lack of direct threat. Charlie, Brian mentions the word sophistication. Now, there was nothing too sophisticated about some of the ways that I started playing when I was a player. And it's about coming directly at someone. And as, as Brian mentioned, I am going to run over the top of you. Now, let's add a bit more sophistication to that and say, I'm not going to go at you. I'm going to go at your, at the, at your arms either side of you. What, in terms of, we've, we've talked to the death almost about where do we get the replacement for Manu Tuolangi. We don't need to go and create a like-for-like clone of Manu Tuolangi because you just mentioned Nick Tompkins it's all about a balance of intelligence and power dynamism I think and now I agree with you I think Joe Marchant at the weekend played brilliantly it do we just have to take a step back with with England's attacking game and say right we, we do want to go from one touchline to another but to to earn that right we need to go straight down the middle at times as well, and probably first. I, it, for me, it doesn't seem like we've 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 taken away the the simplicity of that and tried to complicate some of our attacking game. I, I think it's certainly overcomplicated, isn't it? And it certainly kind of it just looks it looks frantic, and it looks like there are there are different parts of an attacking strategy coming together without looking looking a lot worse than some of its parts at the moment um, if you look at France's centres obviously Fiku we just mentioned Jonathan Dante they're big guys who can who can punch holes but they're also ball players I don't think England are going to find power athletes like that that are sort of closer to what they get with Manitou Lani but they can there are players there who, who are tough carriers you know somebody like Dan Kelly, for instance, at Leicester Tigers has, has that about him. I certainly think, and the other way you can supplement that, which is what they have been doing a little bit, is to have those um, back rowers and Genge hanging out for those the first phase line in, in midfield for first phase line out strikes. They've done that a little bit. And I just wonder, and this is why all, all the points on that um, charge sheet that I uh, compiled are sort of connected. And one of them, I think, is just maybe Jones revisiting what he thinks about balancing that back five of his pack and his how he seems wedded to um, having that extra jumper, that hybrid sort of lock come back row at, at six. Because if you look at the island, the island and, and France back rows, they're the most 
tactically clear team. They play in a different way, but they're the most tactically clear sides. And their back row is really interesting, just so versatile. They're able to line up jump, but as as a part of a pack that are all really comfortable on the ball, they're also able to punch holes. And it's kind of, I, I certainly agree that that, in the sort of almost building on sand when it comes to their attacking approach, because they don't have that foundation of go forward at the start. Let, let's go on a positive note for which players, both you, Charlie, and you, Tom, stood out um, uh, during the Six Nations. Uh, um, Tom first. I'm, it's not normally I would go for a prop forward, but uh, I think Ellis Genge has been outstanding during the Six Nations. Um, always put his hand up. He's carried hard. Uh, that that performance that he put in against Ireland was was mind blowing. Um, and for 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 someone from the backs to notice how how well the props are doing, it it's it's got to have been, been been pretty impressive. I think him. I think Freddie Stewart and Joe Marchin as well. I think they've done uh, they've done well. Uh, quite clearly, I've chosen three there, and I've probably nicked all of Charlie's answers as well. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we ask you, Charlie? Why do we ask you about Marcus Smith then? Good question. I've written down five, Tom. So I, was, I had. Um, I, was trying, I was going to do the same. I was going to do the same to you. Marcus Smith is really interesting. I think that's. I think that's tied together. I think you were talking about um, Farrell, weren't you, earlier? And, and Jones said. Um, Jones said that in the autumn, and he got a bit of heat for this comment, but he said that he'd like Farrell to sort of be there to look after Smith. And I think actually that maybe looks a little bit prescient now. I think Smith did well. I think he had a very commendable Six Nations, and I think he did that in spite of the infrastructure that he that he didn't have around him, in spite of that instability as far as an overall game plan and as far as an unbalanced um, midfield partnership some of the time. I don't think I don't think that I don't think Daly and Slade together did him many favours. I think it looked obviously looked a little bit better when Slade was there with um Marchant. Um I think most people realised that this Six Nations was going to be a bigger test than anything that he'd come up before, up against before in his career, just as far as how prolonged it is and how you've got, you know, you're playing in, in different conditions against well-drilled defensive sides. And so I think actually, Smith, it will be hugely beneficial for him. And I think now that's that's 10 tests. And then from the game on Saturday, I did a piece comparing him and Roman Antonac. They're the same age. Untermack now has 20, 19 more tests than him. And I think that shows because Untermack is just very, um, just seems a little bit more at ease with the rhythm and flow of, of test match rugby. And I think that will come for Smith. Um, but I think Jones also needs, that will be dependent on Jones getting the right infrastructure around him. Thank you very much again, Charlie. Cheers, mate. Nice one, Brian. Cheers. Well, let's discuss what was, for many people, the highlight of the weekend, and that was Italy's first tournament win for more than seven years. A sensational last-minute try saw them beat Wales in Cardiff, and I, I can't tell you how pleased I am to have the Italian captain, Michele Lamaro, joining us now. Michele, hello. Ciao, buongiorno. Um, hello to everyone. I've been saying that the challenge for Italy has been over the past few years to harness some good talent coming from the under-20 sides. And we, and Tommy's an under twenty specialist, my 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 co-host, and he's been saying that the, the the same. Did you in the camp think that this would eventually happen because you had the talent coming up, and it was just a question of time? Well, 
I think I think obviously the under twenties are are doing pretty well. In the last few years they've been done really well. I think since 2017, 2016, like they've been doing pretty well. So I think the the next step was to take them to the next level. You know, so like they were pretty competitive before, and then maybe they were struggling in getting in a, in a international level. So um, I think that. The main focus stays on that, but um, yeah, that's that's a good point. Like uh, the guys are there, the guys have have well willingness to to come up and to get into the international level. We see Leonardo Marin has done I think a great great championship, and he's just he could he could have been playing for for under twenty as well. Mm-hmm. Like he's 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 unreal. So I think I think now there are some really good young players and. We just need to get together. How important has Benetton's improved, um, you know, form been over the past few years? They've, you know, they've got much, uh, they've got far more competitive than they used to be. Um, there's been a lot of players being able to play together. Uh, how how much has that benefited uh, the Italian team? Yeah, no, obviously a lot. I mean, like, um, if you have the, the franchise that, does well that's that's the most important thing like we see we see scotland scotland once this year they've been they've been doing so well so i think benetton has a, has a really good process started with uh with kieran five or six years ago um and that's that's something that we are carrying on now with the with the new staff management and that's obviously something really important that we have to perform well so that we can then carry it into the into the, the national team as well. And so, like in the in the last few years, we we've, we've done pretty well, but now like we have to really yeah get together and be be more 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 competitive every year. Michaeli, Brian, and I were talking about how England's pathway needs to perhaps be revisited and developed again I'm quite interested to see or learn about what changes were made to the Italian pathway so that those players that were were performing well at the under 20s level were given opportunity to then develop into senior rugby and then on to international rugby because there's obviously a big step between the two what were the were there any sort of significant changes that you can highlight well um, actually like the um Obviously, it's something that uh, like we were we were pretty competitive, exactly at in the under twenties, and then like guys are struggling to get into the franchises a few years ago. So in the last few years, has been a little bit changed that way, so that the the young guys has found some some place more like in the in the franchise, so in Benetton and Zebra, so they could actually approach the to the to the higher level a little bit earlier than than before. As I said, we see this year in Benetton, we've had Alessandro Garbisi, Lorenzo Pani, uh, Leonardo Marin, Tommaso Menoncello. They are all they're all under twenty guys. So they've they've had a few minutes, a few like they've had some some good minutes with us, and obviously that has been so important for them to just approach the the higher level and just to get confident in that, and then they take it back to the under twenties for Alessandro and and. Lorenzo and Tommaso and Leonardo with us so that's that's the most important thing so don't stop don't stop with um, with get the challenge so after under 20s or between the under 20s you have to get some some minutes with the with the with the higher level with the with the senior team 
Now, uh, nobody will be um, will be daft enough to say, you know, one win makes everything uh, good. But you know, you've got a lot of work to do. You want to do the the work, but it was important to get the win. You know, somehow. And now you've got it. What do you think that can do for the Italian uh, national team? What do you think it can do for um, the the whole game over there? Uh, well, like uh, obviously, a match is only a match, and like that stays there. Obviously, the result is something that just well, like if we hadn't if we hadn't done that last try, the performance would wouldn't have changed. Like the result is something obviously different. So the results need it's needed more I think from the outside than from the inside there of, of 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 a team. Like obviously for us as the players that gives us a lot of a lot of confidence. Um taking on in the the next few games in the summer, so obviously and obviously with Benetton as well and Zebra as well. But um yeah, I think we have to take that confidence and moving on just just knowing that we, we we can do that. So we can be at that level, we can be competitive and that's the most important thing. From the outside I think the winning the winning stuff is is a little bit more important because obviously uh, you know, after thirty six matches uh you ended that 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 rope and that's that's a big thing. McKelly, just leave you with a very short uh, final question. Um someone is it's rumoured that the French lost the Six Nations trophy in the Seine when they were celebrating their title. What sort of celebrations did you have? <laughs> no, obviously, like, like obviously, after after the game, we I said I said we wouldn't have to celebrate that, but. That there wasn't obviously, <laughs> exactly. obviously not with with a few more beers than than it was needed actually. But well, I tell you what, let's leave it on there because that's the sort of answer that I wanted to, to show <laughs> that the the spirit of rugby is not dead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. Even in the even in the airport, like uh, and, and in the plane, so that that wasn't that wasn't so bad. Fantastic. Michele, thank you. Congratulations. Uh, may there be many more of them. Um, keep your head down. Thank you very much. Yeah, 100%. Thanks so much for inviting. And thank you. Cheers. Well, that's nice to hear, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. Uh, let's talk from a Wales point of view now. Um, no, but, I mean, this has been labelled as one of the darkest days in Welsh rugby history. People who say that, um, they are old enough to remember the joke about thank God we weren't playing the whole of Samoa. You know, do you remember that one when Max Boyce won? You know, so these things come up and down. I mean, funnily enough, England are the only team that have never had to suffer um, a defeat um, by Italy. But the one thing, you know, I have to say, and I back McKinley's thing up, that wasn't a lucky win. They controlled most of the second half. And you know what I thought? I thought when Josh Adams went over for that try, I thought, it's typical, isn't it? Italy have done all this work and they're going to be undone by two tired forwards who couldn't quite make, you know, the tackles on on a winger who, who let's face it, is is one of the one is is one of the most effective try converters from chances that I've I've seen in recent years actually. And I thought it's just going to happen again for him. And I'm pleased that it happened in the way it did because there was no element of luck about that. That was a fantastic run and a very good counter attacking try. I think I think also 
when you look at the the players that they've got involved now, a bit like Michele Lamaro, the, yeah. the amount of work that that guy gets through and the positions that he puts his body in, it, you know, ultimately over time, good things start to happen when you've got players like that. Yeah. Capuozzo, um at the weekend getting himself out of a horrendous position inside his own dead ball area. That, well, that I tell you what, I, I was thinking, you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking this will be a better try than the best try I've ever seen, which was the Santandre try at Twickenham. Yeah. Uh, it didn't quite happen, but it could have done. <laughs> but the swing from being from being yeah. in, a, in a in a in a in a hole yeah. inside your own um uh, try try area all the way up to the other end where they where they got a turnover and, and won a penalty kick like that was just unbelievable yes um, and then finished off with that uh, sort of wonder finish um, it, it was a brilliant day for Italy all round well look Pivac is, is when Pivac is facing some serious questions going from winning a tournament last year to a fifth place finish uh, having scored the most points to the least points um, barring Italy and uh, um <sighs> This is possibly tied up with it. Alan, jo- Alan Wynne Jones' 150th cap, um, largely ineffective. Um, do you, do, does it, is it a case of Pivak getting decisions wrong, or actually, um, given the number of injuries, just not having a full complement to deal with? Well, look, I think I think Wales ahead of the competition and during the competition have suffered with injuries, but. Everyone's faced them, so you can't really say you can't really use that as a as a huge excuse. Um, is was there any need to bring Alan Wynne Jones back? You know, five. No, yeah, wasn't. T- t- no, there is no point. Okay, and, and maybe if you know, maybe bring him onto the bench if you want to get him in. But yeah, maybe actually, unless it's, if it's his last game ever. Well, yeah, but to get the hundred and fifty, maybe. Um, but. but there's been p- people in his position that have been playing brilliantly. Yes, uh, yes, that's fair. Yeah, um, and then we come back to selection. You know, have the right people been chosen? I think I'm going back to to Charlie's point about England. I'm not quite sure what you you wouldn't be able to describe what Wales do in a in a in a game to provide no identity. apart apart from I would say you know players like um, uh, Josh Adams um, and the other the back three and so on have constantly been threatening when they've had the ball. Yeah. So you can say that it's a question of. How they get there, you know, and far too much of it from a Welsh point of view seems to have been self-created from counter-attacking opportunities, which they've been good at doing, but not enough from getting these players into positions from their own uh, plans. There's no doubt. Well, I've got friends that were in Cardiff at the week, and they said it was a very, very quiet stadium as as everyone was filing out. Yeah, I think most people have forgotten that by the time they reached the high street. But yeah. um, you know, it's it's a it's a tough tough t- pill to take because it's your last game and you want to get back on the horse yeah. and, and you know they're, they're now going to have to go down to South Africa Well Ireland easily for me not a whisker uh, just a, b- b- a step behind uh, France but I think that is mainly a question of time actually I think France have been d- developing this group of players for a bit longer and it looks like about 18 months longer I think the gap is quite short. And I, I will be interested to see what happens on the summer tours, whether they're full, you know, fully selected and so on, as to how they go along. Because I think that Ireland and France now, on their day, are the equal of, of, of the Southern Hemisphere big sides Definitely. and can turn them over. And so for Ireland, 
who knows what would have happened if they'd kicked the corner, etc., etc., etc. against France. They came back and they could have, could have, um, could have won. I'm not saying they should have done. Could have won. Um, and I think, well, you know, as a as a report card, probably eight out, eight out of ten. Yeah, I think they, I think they look good. I, th- I think they could have been blown away in Paris, um, and they clawed their way back into that game, didn't they? Uh, I think we found, or Ireland have found some some new talent that 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 are now really, you know, like the likes of Mac Hansen. Um, I think Caelan Doris has been brilliant. He's not not really new. He's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, and then going back to the under twenties. The Ireland have just got a grand slam in the under twenties, so they've got another pipeline of, of players ready to come through. Uh, and that leaves us Scotland. Another really disappointing campaign from from moments of expectation, and you know, they clawed the way um, to to win. I mean, they shouldn't really have won against England. England was in control of that game, and had it not been for a moment of badness from Luke Cowan-Dickey, who did the one thing he shouldn't have done, could do anything else. And he might not have been as well. Well, if you kick that ball a hundred times, ninety-nine times, you wouldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, they they delivered little, and I go back to the point I made. They were not bullied completely as they as they have been in the past, but they their forwards were second best for large parts of several games, and and in international rugby, you know. You're going to be, you're it's n- you're not going to have long term success. You'll get the odd win against the grain, but you just cannot be second best in the way that they were. And I can't understand necessarily why it is because the personnel um, and of all the teams, they I, I think you you would say they probably suffered fewest uh, unavailabilities of 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 their squad. Um, I remain to be correct, corrected by that, but I couldn't see they were significantly... Uh... The, the only thing I've I started to think, and it, it comes back to this whole thing of, of the players going out, is it a happy place? Because if you've got all the best players there and they aren't functioning, yeah. it, are, they, are they in a place where they think, oh, you know, this is, it, it, this is great to be getting together as a Scotland team and we really enjoy being here and doing it for each other? Because really... You, Give or take, you've got the best team, all the, t- the best available players all the time. Yeah, um, it, you know, and then, and then you know you get these breaking breaking protocols and all that sort of thing. Do, is look the breaking protocol things, stuff like that. They're not huge things necessarily themselves, but it's just things like you think, why has that happened? Didn't need to happen. Just a distraction. Yeah, you know, if you're going to plan a campaign. Do you plan to, to start it on a note where you're having to answer questions about something that's nothing to do with rugby, which is in your control? No, you don't. And good sides, experienced sides, uh, that doesn't happen with them. And it doesn't happen because people are waving a big stick. Players just don't do it because, you know, they know. Well, and they're focused on the, on the and, end yeah, point. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it, no, like, there's something that, that doesn't ring right or it doesn't it doesn't feel right about that whole Scotland thing right now and you know we'll have to see how that pans out over the over the summer tours and then moving into next year because you know to start on such a bright note from a Scottish perspective yeah it's just ended up as a bit of a yeah meh, whatever questions before we go one question here. Given how quickly Erasmus turned around a riddle of Springbok team to win the 2019 World Cup, should England now sack Eddie Jones in order to turn around an England team long on quality resources players, blah, 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 blah. Look, it, it, it's not even going to happen. There's no point. There's no point in asking this. Um, and the Razzie Erasmus thing, 
relies on you having uh, you know, a big core of players who are, who are really good enough. And I think South Africa's core of players, they're going to find that last time out, that was uh, one of their big generations, as we say, you know, as we stated at the beginning of this podcast. You know, a lot of those players who made the bomb squad and whatever, yeah, when it comes to the next World Cup, will not be as effective because they are past what was their absolute prime. So I don't think you know, they're going to be able to do that. One for you, um, uh, Mark says, should the RFU bring in a national selector in order to stop Eddie going so far off piece and ensure he doesn't overlook talent? It removes an element of trust in your head coach, doesn't it? Well, it's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it won't happen. But I think I think you move into a cricket scenario, don't you? In the Test match selection. Uh, you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna give Eddie Jones uh, the reins that the head coach role, you have to trust that that he's going to pick the best players for the for the job. But also, Mark, it's a question of this, and I know I know Eddie, you know, said this as well, and I would say it. it's my job. I'm going to get the bullet. I'm getting all the brick bats. I'm going to pick who I like. I'm going to pick who you like. Otherwise, you do my job. Simple as that. Uh, right. Is Henry Slade a World Cup player? Well, he's going to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think with, with Slade, it's more a question I wonder of... What, do, do you think World Cup was a um, predictive text and he meant world class? <laughs> yes, well, I don't know. Um, look, Slade, Slade, for me, has been a consistently uh, reasonable performer. And I'm talking about international reasonable performer. You know, he's a very, very good club player. I just don't think um, that England have ever found a centre combination with him in and around it that suited either him or the other player. And whilst you have that, um, his opportunities are going to be limited anyway. Exactly. Let's just take one last one here. A bit of a contentious one from Toby. Wayne Pivak, will he be made the scapegoat for the rotten structure of Welsh rugby? I'm not sure whether he'll be made the scapegoat Toby but I think something has to happen within Welsh rugby because the regions are struggling that there's no way that they're performing at the same level that we we've seen over over periods of time Tom all I'd say about this is this has been said ever since I wrote an article which is still being quoted by people and the reason it is is right actually but it was (laughs) but was, but it was over a decade ago when I basically said about the Welsh regions you know what the RF what would the WRU are doing with them he's like saying you're half pregnant we'll give you a bit of money to help you. We won't take over all the responsibility so we can have central contracts and run it as we wish. Uh, you know, so we can have all of the... So it doesn't work in the end. But between that time and this time, and remember last year they were Six Nations champions, they've outperformed on a national scale well beyond... I mean, he has a, yeah. you know, if you were a national fan, you'd just say, I don't care what the regions do. We keep winning at international level. Is it one of these things? Or, or, or finally, as I as I always thought it might do, is it going to actually have the t- take the toll? I think if you, if you concentrate as a fan on the top end and you, and you think like that, eventually the foundations of the whole game are eroded because there's no, there's no, there's no foundations to be built on. You know, if you, if you have a... Look at, look at the Irish provinces. They're so... The islands are so strong because their provinces are functioning and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very uh, strong set of teams that they have going out week, week in, week out. Um, I don't think you can say that about the Welsh regions. Well, that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Big thanks to my co-host Tom May and to my guest Charlie Morgan and the very, very happy Michele Lamaro, the Italian captain who confirmed, thank goodness, that uh, they were celebrating with a few too many beers after beating Wales at the weekend. 
I've enjoyed this episode. I hope you have. Uh, and if you want to check out all our previous episodes, you can subscribe to the full podcast channel with the Six Nations done and dusted. I'll be taking a short break, but we will all be back soon. But until then, it's goodbye and thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.